Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an is that fortunate Sahabi who had the privilege to accompany Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam from a very young age. And this is an exclusive feature of this young man. Ulama have mentioned that generally people have a twofold character, two personalities. One is their character with the outside world, and one is their presentation with the family members. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is that fortunate Sahabi who had witnessed all the conditions, all the different conditions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He had experienced the public life of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also the personal and private life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abu Talib, the father of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, when he was finding it very difficult and his financial status deteriorated rapidly, Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, along with his uncle Hazrat Abbas, decided to bail out and alleviate the difficulty of Hazrat Ali, the uncle. And Hazrat Abbas had taken Hazrat Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala an under his wing and Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam had taken Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala from a very young age. And therefore this is an exclusive feature of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an that he saw the very personal life and the dealings of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the very early stage of Islam. He saw that and many of the companions were deprived of that. In fact, even the wives could only see the domestic and the homely character of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. 
but his interaction outside with the public that was not open even to the wives and for the masses of the companions Sahaba Kiram Ajmain only a handful hold this position that they had access to the household of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an is that fortunate Sahabi you'll generally find that today every individual will have two personalities and both are very different from each other his character at home is very different and his character outside is very different often you'll hear the wife say that I know who you are <laughs> I know who you are I know who you are never mind what people think of you but I know who you are and this is very true it's your wife who knows you the best and how you are but subhanallah this is the miracle of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he was rahmatul lil alameen an embodiment of mercy for the family members an embodiment of mercy for the people outside also a man came to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and he inquired and Sahaba Kiram Ajmain were people who wanted to know everything about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So a question was put forward that how is the character and his dealings with the family members? And she said, Kana Nabiyu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam fi mihnati ahlihi. That Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the best husband and Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the best father. He assisted the women folks uh, on all the domestic chores all the domestic chores he's the best father and also the best husband that is the character of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so ulama have mentioned that this was an exclusive feature of this great man a very young man Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an who takes the position of being Al-Khalifatul Rabi' The fourth Khalifa and successor To Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Which area Hadrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an Was born Ulama have um, Differed in their opinion Of course The Shia scholars Unanimously agree And they say that Hadrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an Was born Fi Jawfil Ka'bah all of the Shias say that Ali radiallahu ta'ala was born inside inside the Kaaba, inside the cubic structured building that he was born in the Kaaba itself. This is the opinion of all the Shia scholars. However, the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaat and the scholars of Hadith have another opinion. And they say that the only Sahabi to be born in the Kaaba, in that building is Hazrat Hakim ibn Hizam radiallahu ta'ala and no one else so this was only uh, the privilege given to one individual who is Hakim ibn Hizam however Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was born close to the main platform of Tawaf the main central location where people do Tawaf so that is also very very close to the Haram doors and the Kaaba. Now we need to also understand 
that haram today in Kaaba today is very different from what it was during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when we speak about people like Hakim ibn Hizam being born uh, in the Kaaba and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, an was also born very close to the haram what is meant that the haram was very different during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam than what we see today uh, there were no gates to the haram it was completely open in fact it was in the central location of the city of Makkah and people could actually see the haram and the Kaaba from the side of the streets and so you could even walk through an alley and come in front of the haram there were no gates there was no boundary to it there were no enclosures uh, and no gates that would prevent anyone entering the haram so even in the night somebody could see the haram even during the day somebody could see the haram people would easily come and uh, witness all the different activities that were taking place in fact in the early days uh, you'll even find people doing tawaf of the Kaaba sitting on a camel sitting on the camel because it was all open at that time and so there's it's not quite difficult for someone to imagine that there is a possibility if a woman was there, the mother of Hakim ibn Hizam, and if she gave birth to Hazrat Hakim ibn Hizam, that's a possibility and it is not impossible. And also in the case of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, there were two doors to the Kaaba during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One was the entry door and one was the exit door. In the early days, um, the Kaaba did not even have a roof so it had an opening Any, anyone who wanted to jump in the Kaaba from the top section could do so so it was not sealed off from the top so it's very different today the Kaaba today has only one door and if the other side of the black cloth was to be lifted up uh, one could even see the markings of the second door but recently um, three or four years ago when there was this major repair work done to the Kaaba I think today even those markings are quite invisible now but there was a second door which was completely sealed off and so anyone who wishes to go and visit and see the haram inside it's through one door only and generally now because of the very high volume of people who visit the haram the doors are shut the doors are only open to dignitaries or ulama and sulaha scholars and some of the guests of the custodians of the haramain al sharifain but generally the doors are shut uh, a few years ago a lot of the local ulama even from the UK uh, and also other individuals were invited to visit the city of Makkah and uh, the doors of Kaaba were opened up for them also for them to perform this salah inside so now and then uh, an opportunity is given may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also give us the opportunity but ulama have mentioned anyone who actually prays in the hatim which is the semicircle it is tantamount to praying inside the haram and so alhamdulillah the main thing is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that zone uh, so Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was not born fi jawfil Kaaba. He was not born inside But just where the mataf section is The laqab that is given to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala The title 
Ulama have mentioned that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an was known during his term of Khilafat as Amirul Mu'mineen. And this first honor and title was given to Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala. Then it was transferred to Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala. Then it transferred to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. Lakkabahu Amirul Mu'mineen. So this was the title that was given to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. As for his name, uh, we did cover this in the first session. Uh, ulama say that the name was given by the father Abu Talib, and some have said that this name was given by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We need to understand also that the Arabs were generally known by their kunniya. Now, kunniya is a very important practice amongst the Arabs. A man is usually called by the name of his eldest son. So Abu Talib's eldest son was Talib. And that is why he was known as Abu Talib. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam's kunniya was Abul Qasim. Abul Qasim. Qasim was the eldest son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is why this kunniya was given to him Abul Qasim. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an's kunniya was Abul Hassan, the father of Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala an. Now, this was a very important practice by the Arabs uh, and uh, especially the Qurayshi people. The reason why they would work with the kunniya is so that they would show to the people the purity of lineage and the nobility of their family. And that is why they would have this system of kunniya. That this is my name, and my eldest son's name is this. And this system actually continues. And by having the name of the eldest son, this would mean that all the children are connected to that tribe and to that one individual. Ulama have even explained, when explaining uh, the, the topic of kunniya, that a man whose name was Zaid, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam adopted him, Zaid bin Harisa. And he became so close to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he was known to the people as Zaid bin Muhammad. Zaid, the son of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Immediately verses of the Quran were revealed cautioning Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also the mu'mineen muslimin that it is not right for anyone to, to be called by the name of that individual who is not his biological father. And therefore it is not right for people to call Zaid as Zaid bin Muhammad. And all of the companions thereafter uh, knew him by the name Zaid bin Harisa, which was his original name. And so this system is very, very important. Otherwise, Kunniya is also given when an incident takes place and uh, that individual is recognized by an event, an incident that might have happened. Now in the case of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala one of his kunniya also was Abu Turab and this is also mentioned in the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A very beautiful incident and there is also a lot to learn from what had happened uh, when this kunniya was given to this great man, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
went to visit Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala as in the house of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam noticed that Bibi Fatima is at the house but Hazrat Ali is not there and so he inquired and he said Aina ibn Ammik that where is the son of my uncle where is the son of my uncle as in where is my cousin brother now Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha she looked at the father and she said that kana bayni wa baynahu shay'un faghazabani fakharaja falam yakul indi that there was an argument between myself and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an something must have happened an argument and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an in anger stood up and he left the house and I don't know where he is I don't know where he is gone immediately Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam says to a person go and have a look where he is Aina huwa go and have a look where is Ali radiallahu ta'ala so people go out and they look for Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and of course even the room of Bibi Fatima was very close to the masjid and they find out that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is actually sleeping in the masjid sleeping in the masjid so that man came and said, Ya Rasulullah, we found him, Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, is sleeping. Huwa raqidun fil masjid. He is resting and sleeping in the masjid. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam immediately got out from the room of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an, and he saw Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an sleeping. And there's a chadar here, actually show you. He was sleeping uh, with the chadar, with the shawl the sheet that was covering him from the bottom to the top entirely and he was sleeping and the ends of that sheet were all covered in dust a lot of dust had been uh, had accumulated on one section of uh, the sheet and the shawl of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala now Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is looking at Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and sleeping and so what he does is that Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam starts to clean the dust from the sheets and the shawl, shawl of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, and he is saying to Hazrat Ali, Kum kum ya abad turab, kum kum ya abad turab, stand, stand, O father of sand, father of the sand, stand, O father of the sand, turab means mitti, sand, stand, O father of the sand, sand, stand. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala stood up and he started smiling. Ulama have mentioned, in fact this also comes in the Sahih and Imam Bukhari rahmatullah has mentioned this. Uh, Hazrat Ali says that he was very fond of people and he would get very happy with those individuals who would call him Abad Turab. Who would call him Abad Turab. Because this was a name given to him by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now a very beautiful story, an incident that occurred during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But some very important lessons we have to learn also. First of all, what we need to understand is no matter how strong uh, a loving relationship may be between the husband and the wife, there will always be arguments. 
there will always be differences of opinion. That is for sure. The husband may love the wife and the wife may love the husband and both of them are very strong and the relationship is very very good. But a time will always come generally that there will be a difference of opinion, maybe a dispute, some internal bickerings. And this also happened with people like Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an and Hazrat Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. So what we need to understand the moral of the story is, is that a person should also be mentally prepared to expect such things. That not to say that I must have a perfect wife and the woman to feel that I must have a perfect husband. Despite the fact that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and dearly loved Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. But again, there were little arguments. And this is something that we need to understand. That we are living in this dunya and this dunya is darut taklif. This dunya is the, the house of taklif, the home of taklif. Pain and difficulty will come to you. No one is immune from that. This complete relationship of unity and harmony will only be in Jannah. No disunity, no problem. But in dunya, there will be some problems. But of course, what we need to do, alhamdulillah, is to maintain a very good relationship. And if we maintain a very good relationship, eventually, you will see that this relationship will become stronger and stronger and stronger. And mashallah, that love will be everlasting in the relationship. And the second thing what we understand from the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam also is that it is perfectly fine for the father-in-law to go and visit the daughter. It is perfectly fine for the father-in-law to go and visit the daughter. You'll find a lot of people from India when they come. It is haram for me to drink the chai from my daughter's house. <laughs> what do they say? And this is, a lot of it is just culture. That I just can't go to my son-in-law's house. I will not go and visit my daughter. It is not right for me to even drink water from my daughter's house. It is as if you have sold your daughter and the poor father has got nothing to do with the daughter. Now this is completely wrong. Completely wrong. This is, this is uh, just culture and nothing else. Wallahu alam. But in Sharia, nobody can take away that connection that the father and mother have with the daughter. Even after nikah, that bonding and love is there at all times. And it is not that the nikah has been done, so now the father is also very, very scared. What do I do? How do I speak? What it is? What do I have to do? Allahu Akbar. You are still the father and you are still in that privileged position. And it is your duty to make sure that all the safety and security is also given to your daughter. And of course, uh, the, main responsible, the main responsible individual would be the husband. One is to interfere. Interfere is wrong. One is to interfere. Interfering at all times... This will eventually break down that relationship. But look at Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Casually. Just came to visit Bibi Fatima 
radiyallahu ta'ala. And you see, with every hadith and with every verse of the Quran, we should just not make a translation and just go by and go past. But, oh, this is the story. No, Allahu Akbar. There's a lot of hikmat in every action that you take. Even in At-Tahiyyat, when you say, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, there is so much hikmat and wisdom to that. When you say, La ilaha illallah, there is so much hikmat. And so this is so important for us to understand that as well as the in-laws and the husband who take charge and control of that girl, but that bond and connection of the father is everlasting. And that concession must be given to the parents even by the son-in-law. And another very important point is is Harul Muhabba uh, that, that is there. What we need to understand is Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha when Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam questioned her where is Hazrat Ali she did not lie and nor do we expect her to lie but she spoke the truth and in clear words she said I had an argument we had an argument and Hazrat Ali left the house and I don't know where he is now what we learn from this story also is that if there is a dispute between husband and wife it is very important that either the husband or the wife gets connected quickly to someone who is part of his family part of his family and someone who is his well-wisher someone who understands the situation and try not to broadcast your internal bickerings and your disputes that you have with your husband and wife with those who are outside from the framework of your family. Don't speak to everyone who is outside and who is not part of your family. But one should be very private about his own life. And if there is a problem, then speak to the right individual. Go to the right source. Just like when there is a differences of opinion, what do the mujtahideen do? The scholars of uh, hadith and Quran, they say, okay, we will go to the main source. And the source is the Quran. And they will look at the Quran. And then they will look at the hadith. And so go to the main source and look at Bibi Fatima. At the right time, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam comes and she knows who better than my dear father. And many a times, when the child actually opens up to the mother and father, she will see that her life becomes very easy and very comfortable. And also for the son, to speak to someone who is closely related to him, rather than talking to someone who is outside, an outsider, talk to someone who is part of his family. And, and this is what we see in the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so she spoke to the father. And what did Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam do? Ulama have mentioned, Hallul ikhtilaf bila takhir. This is very important in a relationship. Hallul ikhtilaf bila takhir. And this is a very important law. That if there is a dispute between husband and wife, immediately seek reconciliation. Immediately seek reconciliation. Because the more time you give it, Allahu Akbar, you'll find that some partners... Uh, a man came to me once and said to me that um, my wife doesn't speak to me now for three months. 
yet we live under one roof. How is that possible? So three months and she does her own stuff and job and I do my own stuff and you know we just look at each other and that's it. This is what shaitan does. The shaitan strengthens the wall and erects this wall like the apartheid wall and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger by the day until it becomes very difficult for the husband to maintain that love which was visible in the beginning. And so immediately, without wasting time, a man should find the resolve of this situation, of this dispute. Immediately, what is happening? Within one hour, two hours, speak to someone that, look, I'm facing this problem, this is the issue, let's come to a solution. And subhanallah, look at the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How busy was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? It's not that he did this for his own daughter. But Allah's Nabi was the merciful one. All of his actions are good examples for the Ummah. And immediately he said to the people, Go and look for my son-in-law Ali. Go and look for him. And when they said to him that Ali is in the masjid, he he didn't say that, okay, uh, I'll speak to him maybe after Asr, or I'll speak to him after Maghrib, or maybe when the time is right, maybe he might be a bit angry, Maybe there's a problem, so let him calm down. Allahu Akbar. He didn't do that. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam immediately went to the masjid. Immediately to reconcile. And also look at the beautiful character of Hazrat Ali. Now what was the need for Hazrat Ali to get out from the room? Why? The first reason is that he wanted to show respect to the daughter of Rasulullah. That, that is the main reason. And secondly, of course, that he dearly loved Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala. And thirdly, he wanted to save himself from the shaitan. Hazrat Ali knows that even Ali is not immune from the wasavis of shaitan. And generally, when there is an argument between husband and wife, shaitan puts words in the mouth of that individual, the husband. And also, Pushes the woman to ignite the situation. Oh yeah, if you want to divorce me, divorce me. Don't give me a divorce. I'm not scared. I'll go to my father. I'll go to my mother. Fine. And a, situ- and a situation erupts. A situation erupts. And so Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, the true students of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what did he do? Complete control. Wanting to regain his composure back. And he stood up, controlling his anger. He did not want to say anything. In fact, the matter did not excel that far. But he did not want to take a chance. And he stood up and he left the room. And what did he do? He came to the masjid and he did Allah, Allah. And doing the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the character. Very, very important, my respected brothers. If there is a lot of difficulty and if there is a lot of tension, then simply walk out. Let the matter cool down a bit. And talk to other people who are your well-wishers. Your well-wishers. Don't speak to people who will uh, spark up and ignite and like throwing fuel in fire. Don't invite those kind of people. Invite people of wisdom. Invite people who are God-fearing. And this is what Bibi Fatima did. Who is better and who is muttaqi than my father? hazrat nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And then also... What we learn from this hadith is that the father-in-law 
must maintain a loving relationship with his son-in-law. That he must treat the son-in-law as his own son. And to have this very informal relationship. Look at Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He's actually dusting off everything from the, the shawl from Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. And this shows that Allah's Nabi had a lot of love for his son-in-law. He treated him like a son. Subhanallah. And this is very important. And finally, the most important point in this incident the ulama have mentioned. And one can just continue. Allah give jazai khair to the scholars. One hadith and they will take out a hundred items, reference for people to understand. There is so many things that we learn from every action of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ulama have mentioned that if there is a dispute between two people, say husband and wife like in this case, then if a third individual was to come to reconcile in this matter, it was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then it is the duty of the husband and the wife not to be stubborn, but to commit themselves to a resolve quickly and to come to a solution. You can't just have ten people visiting you every day and every time say, Nah, Jim, nah, ha, no, hmm? no, go, go. Now if you do this, go, 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 one day, nobody will come to you. If you are showing this uh, stubbornness inside you, that so many people come, the elders come, everybody comes. No, I don't want to see you, I don't want to talk. A time will come that you will spend the rest of your life uh, very lonely and you will even become depressed in this country. And so whenever an opportunity is given to you, someone comes and gives you the solution, take that solution. Take that solution and commit yourself. And this is the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so these are just some very important lessons. I see a lot of the people here are very young. MashaAllah, Idris is very young. And so many people here are very young. Ha, MashaAllah, Siraj is young. And Shabir is young. And Naim is young. Everybody is young. Mushtaq there. Sari Qom, mashallah, young. And so these are important lessons for us to learn that how we maintain a good relationship. So even for the women at home, if you have any disputes, don't phone up and broadcast it to the rest of the world, spoiling the image of your husband. Why? Because at the end of the day, it is that very husband who will look after you. And then you will regret, oh, only if I had, uh, if I had not disclosed this matter to that lady or to that person, subhanallah. So, make sure everything is in a controlled manner and it is within the framework of your family members. This is the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The features of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an ulama have mentioned, husnul wajhi, very handsome man. Hazrat Ali was very handsome, physically very powerful and very strong and it says that Arizul Man Kabain that uh, broad, very broad shoulders and Hazrat Ali was quite different from Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usman all of them actually had zulfa and long hair but Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was a bit like me <laughs> short hair no zulfa what is it? Short hair and no zulfa. And every time he would want it to, you know, uh, shave the hair, 
off quickly. Um, and he also explains the reason. And this is also in the hadith, in Mishkatul Masabi. Hazrat Ali says that I had heard from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying that under every hair is gusle janabat, ceremonial purification. Ceremonial purification, gusle janabat. That means if, if gusl is falls on you, make sure that every hair is wet. And so he found it very difficult that if you have zulf, it's going to be quite difficult for me to wash it. And so he said the best option for me is just to have short hair. And so he was a very simple man. Very simple man. And so that Ali would have short hair, but ulama have mentioned kathirul lihya, a very big beard. A very, very big beard. Kathirul lihya. And this position is also shared with Hazrat Usman. We talked about Hazrat Usman. Hazrat Usman also had a lovely round beard, very long beard. And also Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. As Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala had short hair and a very long beard. And as for his Islam, what actually inspired him uh, to become a Muslim. Now, the ulama of hadith. Uh, give different views as to who who was the first Muslim after Bibi Khadija al-Kubra. Now, virtually majority of the scholars agree that the first person to become a Muslimah is a lady. Is a lady. And we need to mention this to those who say that Islam has not given rights to women. Islam has not given rights to women. Allah gave Hidayah to a woman first. Allah gave hidayah to a woman first. In fact, there was someone uh, who put this question forward uh, to one of the Christian priests that why according to you al-iyazu billah, of course as Muslims we say Allah has no family, lam yalid wa lam yulad. But he said that why did Allah have a son and not, not a daughter? That means you haven't given rights to women. What did he say? That why did your God have a son and not a daughter? That means you haven't given rights to women. Not the Muslims. So can you answer me? And he says, I have no answer for that. I have no answer for that. Allahu Akbar. But of course we don't attribute such things to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Iyazu Billah. And this is just light humor. Sometimes it can help you when you are talking to individuals and people who sometimes are very stubborn and things don't get into their minds. And so, Hazrat Khadijatul Kubra is the first lady to embrace Islam. After her, differences of opinion. Some say Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and some say Hazrat Ali. But again, the ulama have explained this in a very beautiful manner. They say that amongst the men it was Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Amongst the women is Bibi Khadijatul Kubra. Amongst the young children is Hazrat Ali. And amongst the slave is Hazrat Zaid. And so that is how we understand These are the first batch of individuals Who embraced Islam at the hands of Rasul No one before them Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq Hazrat Ali Hazrat Khadija And also Hazrat Zaid And basically all of them were family Hazrat Khadija is the wife Hazrat Ali was like a son He lived with Rasulullah Hazrat Zaid was actually under the care of Rasulullah. But subhanallah, if we look at uh, this uniqueness, uh, it goes to Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. He was not 
a family member at that time in a sense that he was not living with Rasulullah but without questioning he embraced Islam. So these were the first four people. What inspired Hazrat Ali to become a Muslim? We talked about Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and his iman, the iman of Hazrat Usman and the iman of Hazrat Abu Bakr, the iman of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is also quite fascinating. It is said that in the early days, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam would perform his salah in his own private room. In his own private room. The doors were shut, a curtain was put there, nobody would come. And Bibi Khadijatul Kubra, the wonderful wife that she was, subhanAllah, she would work very hard to please the husband. And she noticed that if I wanted to please Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the easiest option for me is to perform salah like how Allah's Nabi is performing salah. And so even without Allah's Nabi instructing her to perform salah, just to be obedient and just to please the husband, she would stand behind Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she would imitate the postures of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One masla that we learn is that if you have a new Muslim and then don't actually pressure him, ah, do you know your attahiyat? Do you know your durood? Do you know your dua'i kunood? Allah Akbar. Don't pressure him. For a new Muslim, for that person, just for him to carry out the postures, the ruku and the sujood, even if he doesn't say anything, and if he says, Allahu Akbar, Allah is the one who will accept his salah. Allah who will accept his salah. Allah forgive us. Sometimes we have no hikmat in our Islam. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, certain ladies who had embraced Islam, uh, I was speaking to them, of course, because of the Islam Information Center we have, ladies there who also study and they were saying that sometimes we feel that we have made the wrong decision and I said why, why do you say that what has happened, why do you say it's the wrong decision and these are some of the elderly ladies and if you hear their stories Allahu Akbar if you hear the stories of the iman and how they embrace stuff, they say well a lot of these Muslim ladies force us and they say oh you have to wear a scarf and wear a niqab and wear this and don't do that and don't put any um, cosmetics on your uh, face and all, all these things and they would say that look we, we are new Muslims and it, and it takes time for us to actually uh, become strong Muslims and so that time must be given to us and sometimes we fail to see this and so hikmah is very important Bibi Khadija to Kubra, she would just do ruku and sujood and just follow Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Allah was pleased with her. This was before the obligatory prayers. This was before the five times prayers was made farz upon the ummah. Now one day what had happened, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala unnoticed and he saw both Allah's, Allah's Nabi, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Bibi Khadija were performing ruku and sujood. Now this was strange for him. He said, what kind of an exercise is this? And so, when Allah's Nabi finished his salah, he said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that uh, I saw you carrying out certain postures, ruku and sujood. Uh, what is this? I have never seen anything like it. And subhanallah, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, Deenullah, this is the religion of Islam. And Allah has sent messengers and I am the messenger and I ad'uka ilallah and I invite you to worship Allah. Now what did Hazrat Ali say? 
He said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that I have not seen anything of the sort any time in Arabia. And this is something very new for me. And so what he said to Huzur alayhi salam, he says, I think before I take any decision, it is better for me to consult my father. What an obedient child. Subhanallah. Today children don't even consult the father when choosing their partners in life. And they say, Haji, mera nikah ho gaya, I'm married. And then the fathers and the parents are informed. But even while staying with Rasulullah, he felt that it was important that I consult the father. And but Allah's Nabi did not want this to be public. He did not want everyone to know. So he said to Ali, he said, Ali, look, it is fine. If you don't want to become a Muslim, don't become a Muslim. But don't say anything to your father. And Hazrat Ali said, as you wish. In the night, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was thinking about the moves. And he could actually visualize the ruku and the sujood. And the first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, he came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, what is it that you were offering me? And Allah's Nabi said, Tashhad Allah ilaha illallah. Testify that there is no God but Allah. Testify that there is no God but Allah. What to kafir billat wal uzza and shun idol worshipping and shun the worship of lat and uzza. And immediately in the morning, subhanallah, Ali radiallahu ta'ala and became a Muslim. That is why my respected brothers, we must give an opportunity to the non-Muslims to come to the masjid and see how Muslims pray. Because the ruku and the sujood and the qiyam has a direct uh, influence and impact on their hearts. And when they come out, they can actually picture how the Muslims worship. And this was the reason why Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala embraced Islam and inspired him to become a Muslim. And inshallah, just to conclude the session, in another narration it is mentioned that Allah's Nabi at times would go out towards the desert mountains and meditate and perform salah there. Once he took with him Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali was a Muslim. And Allah's Nabi was performing salah and said to Ali radiallahu ta'ala, you perform salah with me also here. But Abu Talib had some suspicion. And so what he did is that he followed Rasulullah also. Abu Talib saw all the time, Muhammad, my nephew, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and my son Ali are going towards the desert mountain. What are they doing? And so he followed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he noticed that Allah's Nabi was performing salah. And also Hazrat Ali was performing salah. And after the salah, Abu Talib came in front of Rasulullah. And so he said, he said to the nephew, that what is it, what is this that I see? And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, beautiful words. He says, Ayammi, oh my uncle, Hada Deenullah. This is the religion of Allah, the religion of the angels, the religion of all the prophets. And my religion and the religion of my forefather Ibrahim alayhi salam that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he looked at Rasulullah and he smiled and he said, this is a good religion but it would be extremely difficult for me to turn away from the religion and the practice of my forefathers. This is what he said. And then he said to his son, oh Ali come here, what were you doing? He's a father, tell me what were you doing? Now imagine it's so difficult for reverts to break the news to their parents. As it was difficult for Hazrat Ali. And so difficult for the first batch of Muslimin. Everything was underground. And everything was done quietly. 
And this time he took the courage. And he said to the father, that I have chosen the deen and the religion of my Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and I'm a Muslim, and I want to remain a Muslim. The father, what did he do? He patted the son, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, touched him and said to Hazrat Ali, that, oh my son, it is a good thing that you are in the company of Muhammad, and do whatever he tells you, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because I only see good coming to him, and that good will also come to you. And so he gave an open permission to his son to also remain a Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabilumi wa ala alihi wa salli islima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tuba alayna inna kanta tawabu rahim. Sam'ina wa ta'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-masir. Bi rahmatika ya rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi w